Tell me, kids, do you like big fucking swords? Well, I sure hope so, as it's time for Phil Suffering Month to continue with a pick from the land of Mike. All on that time I started a podcast, three trash manga with my friends, and actually most of them are trash, but some of them weren't, a.k.a. The Trash Manga Friends Podcast, G Gers Crisis. Episode 49, I'm a trash manga, but my boss is a sheep. You know what this show is by now, 49 episodes in. It's three people discussing two volumes of one trash manga. We dissect what's good, we dissect what's bad, we dissect what's trash, and we cleave our way through to episode 50. It's so close now. I am your forever host, Sabre Sean, joined by Zweihander Mike and Rapier Phil. How are you both? Hmm. I'm a Zweihander. I'm big and chunky. You are the I biggest like of swords, yes. I'm a two-handed sword. Oh. <laughs> That is what that means, yes. <laughs> yes, you need to. I need two hands to handle all of this. I, I love the German language, but they're not always the most original at names. <laughs> As opposed to a long sword or a short sword, Sean. I, I never said we're better. <laughs> I, I just My favourite German word is the word for hospital, because it's Klankenhaus, which literally <laughs> translates to sick house. <laughs> Damn. It's a place where you put the sick people, obviously. <laughs> So, yeah, they're, they're a bit descriptive. And you know what? It's efficient. Yeah, they're a very descriptive language. And you know what? It makes it easy to learn. So I'm happy about it. Oh, yeah. It's of all the languages I've attempted to learn over the years, thanks to school. Uh, German was by far the one I got the biggest handle on. Yeah. French, I couldn't really do. Welsh is a nightmare abomination, which I have to defend because I'm part Welsh. But otherwise, it's a nightmare <laughs> abomination. Well, I mean, uh, the Claymore itself is Celtic, right? Pretty sure it's Celtic? I'm gonna nod. I'm gonna go with it's Celtic, which means it's Scottish, which means... I'm pretty sure it's Scottish, because WWE were like, here's our Scottish wrestler, Drew McIntyre, he can have a Claymore, and his finisher can be called Claymore. <laughs> it's probably Scottish then. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a little uh, embarrassing to admit, I suppose, uh, but the reason I, th I know it's Scottish is because... It was in Braveheart. Yeah, he featured in the movie yeah, Braveheart. Yeah, so. for Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I have Scottish heritage. <laughs> I'm a Scottish boy. And they all abandoned you. <laughs> I am the only English branch of this family. Most of them are Irish and Scottish, and parts and like German. I was gonna say a part German as well. Yeah, as part German and Polish as well. Just so like yeah, a bit of a mix, but we're the only English branch of this family. And <laughs> It's like we're the black sheep of the family. Just, just you know, just they're English. Let's let's give them a minute. Fair. I've met English people. We suck. Yes, can confirm. Phil, how are you, buddy? I'm just sitting here being all English, and Phil is a full English. Oh, I had a full English before before I recorded this. Nearly knocked me the fuck out. Totally go for a full English right now. Oh, it was great. And by that, we, we do mean the food, not, like, a person. I mean, I could do either or. <laughs> either or's good. <laughs> You've heard of says I could eat a horse. No, I could just eat a person. I mean, weirdly on point for this manga. <laughs> <laughs> also, that probably is... easier to eat a person in some ways. They're typically smaller than horses. They don't fight back as hard. I'm, yeah, not as strong as horses, typically. That's yeah, true. I mean, trying to digest the hoof is just, oh. Yeah, oh. chewy. Very chewy. <laughs> what, what, try Jawbreaker more than chewy. That um, sounds like you're not trying hard enough. I, you know, I must admit I've never tried before, Mike. It's, 
in my life experiences, eating a horse is not one of them. Although <laughs> I mean, I did, did you I ever did go to Tesco? Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that period of time where did you order like ever eat mints? I think it was like a burger or something. Yeah, from Tesco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they, these things have horse meat in them. All right. <laughs> I mean, if you came up to me and said, "Would you like a horse burger?" I wouldn't say no. Yeah, so, it's a yeah. thing they just eat in France. I think they, eat... they eat everything in France. Look, if you're the I love the French, but if you're going to start eating frogs and snails, frankly, anything's nothing's off limits. I don't know how often French people actually eat those things. It's greater than zero. It is higher than zero. I'll give you that. But it's like it's one of those stereotypes that you hear, and it's like how often? Do I French think it's more these? formal cuisine. Yeah, it's than, Mike. Do you know what we're going to have for? Tea oh, today, kids. Have a slap up lunch. Let's go down. Let's go down the pub and have a couple of frogs legs, lads. Oh man, I'm, I'm really hungry. Can you like go out in the garden and forage for some lunch? <laughs> like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> to be fair, I think that one probably does maybe happen, but I have no fucking clue. At the very least, I, I don't think I'm making this. Up. I'm sure I've seen like some cooking shows where they've just been like, oh yeah, just go into the garden and get some snails to throw in this. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's, no. that's called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. That's, uh... <laughs> it is that. Although I guarantee the shit they eat on that show has been, like, thoroughly cleaned. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> There's can't, no can't fucking kill way. people. <laughs> but this isn't the show we misunderstand the French. We misunderstand Asian cultures here. I was going to say, we're, maybe one day we'll do a French comic, like get Tintin on here or something. But uh... Wakfu. <laughs> Wakfu isn't a comic, I don't think. Oh. Well... It would be like Tintin or Asterisk. Asterisk? Asterix. Asterix Obelisk. Didn't start as one. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. Banter over. Enough of this. Enough of your being smart. Are we ready to dub it all down and go jump into the series for this time around? Oh, God, yes. Fuck yeah. And you can tell he's into it because it was, as I said at the top, Mike's choice. And he chose Claymore. Known in Japan as Claymore. This is an action slash dark fantasy manga that ran from May 2001 to October 2014, totaling 27 volumes while it ran. Uh, written and drawn by Norihiro Yagi, I believe Legend of Angel is their other notable work. They are doing something currently, but it's not been localized, so I didn't uh, actually write down its name. Uh, you can buy all of this via Viz, and there is an anime which was done by Madhouse back in 2007, which is about 26 episodes. I believe it's currently available on Funimation if you want to stream it. Also, it got a video game on the DS back in 2009. I couldn't find a concrete sales figure for the whole series, but based off some uh, volume sales, it's definitely broke the seven-figure mark, so it's in the millions at least. But what is Claymore all about? Well, Mike, you chose it, so tell us. Take us into the world of Scotland. I'm not... Convinced this is Scotland for starters. Not, not convinced that was Scottish either. <laughs> uh, Claymore is set in a mysterious fantasy medieval esque world where uh, there are these demons roaming the land known as Yoma, Yuma, I'm going to go with Yoma, and who tend to infiltrate human society and kill and eat them. And the only thing that humans have to stand against them is a elite service of roaming mercenaries called uh, called Claymore. Well, they're not actually called Claymore, but we'll get to that. Uh, people call them the Claymore, and they are people. There are only women who have 
uh, invited demon body parts into themselves in order to give themselves power. We follow the story of Claire. Claire? Cla- Clary. Claire. Claire. <laughs> sure. As she wanders the land and gets into all of her adventures while taking jobs from the organization. That's about it. She also picks up a friend along the way. Friend feels like a generous term. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the the weird thing for me, especially reading this now for the second... Well, I read volume one way, way back in mm-hmm. like 2011, I think it was, according to my mouth. So, and I've never read it again since. So the weird thing now coming to it in 2022 was I was reading it and going, oh, this is, this is The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, it did happen. <laughs> It was it's, a little bit she's, witchery. She's silver-haired. She like works for organization. She kills monsters for money. Silver-eyed. Silver-eyed, yeah. Uh, very aloof. Just is like a witcher. Is a little witchery, yeah. As played <laughs> by Henry Cavill. Okay, so I believe... Because I've seen the anime for this as well. So I believe calling silver hair was a bit of a mistranslation because they are blonde-haired. Okay. Do you always call them silver-eyed? That, yeah, they are silver-eyed, although the colorization in the anime, I believe, was bluish rather than silver, but that could just be a choice. But yeah, they do also get um, yellow demon eyes when they activate their powers, so that's another parallel to the Witcher, who also have yellow eyes. So there you go. Yeah, it, it's weirdly witchery. And I do, as far as I know, I've not actually played the Witcher games. As far as I know, it is actually closer to the Witcher TV show than it is to the Witcher games. All I've seen for Witcher is the Netflix series, so I can't comment on the books or the games. But... I, I believe it is closer to the the series than it is the games, but yeah, it, yeah, it's weirdly similar. The only real difference, I suppose, is A, this is a scantily clad woman, because of course it is, and B, Witchers can only be men, and all the women died, whereas this tells you it's very much the opposite. No, Mike, there's a female witcher. What do you want about? God. <laughs> no, there isn't. So, <laughs> and yet, so they, so that's very much the opposite in this. Only women can be, can be claymores. They aren't called claymores. Obviously. I know, but the universe calls them claymores, Mike. So sure does. Deal with it. Yeah, uh, they are called claymores because that's what people have called them. Officially, their organization has no name, and their mercenaries, soldiers, yeah, have no name. All I could say is you can tell that Witcher was done in the West because they're all guys, mm-hmm. and this was done in the East because they're all girls. Yeah, fairly busty, scantily clad women. I All right, I don't, I'm not going to say scantily clad. Like, they wear armor. Yeah, but it's anime armor. It's not Do bikini armor. It's Do not bikini armor. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It's not bikini armor. It's singlet armor. You know, it's like they're wearing a bodysuit with some pauldrons and an armor. Skirt. I mean, I didn't think it was fan service outside of like the scenes where no, she's I'm not in calling the it fan service. I'm not calling it fan service. I would absolutely okay. There is fan service in this. Yeah, there is oh, no, absolutely. She, she, ba- she showers in nude and in the waterfall. Sure, but, multiple you know. times. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yeah, there is fan service, but her outfit itself is not. No, it's it's fine. Like, it's fairly tame as far as anime armor goes, but it is anime armor. <laughs> I, I, again, wouldn't call it armor. Sure. I think it's meant to be implied that there are metal plates in it, but then again, it, it kind of makes sense that it is minimal, because all of the times you see her fighting, which is quite often in what we read, her fighting style seems to be more about dodging than it does seem to be about blocking. I 
stout. Okay. She just, like, gets hit so often. Oh, she straight up gets hit all the time. That's kind of my point, though. The idea being that if she gets hit, it was probably going to do serious damage regardless. So you need, like, minimal armor to prevent, like, scrapes and stuff. I see what you're saying. Like, if you're fighting the demons, armor's going to do fuck all. You may as well be quick. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I right. think they're actually going for. So it kind of makes it. It's still fucking stupid, but it kind of makes sense in its own internal logic. I would argue her fighting style is she wins. Full well, there is that too. Yeah, I mean, it's the first two volumes. If you want to get her into fights, you can't exactly lose the fights, can she? I, I again, she does. Getting into volume two, she does in fact lose. Doesn't die, but she loses. She only loses because she's handicapped. Like any straight fight, I have no belief that she would ever lose because, especially because in the first volume, she wins a five v one with ease. So I'm like, oh, she's invincible. Got it. This is actually it's also shonen, so Goku will never lose. You know, even when he loses, he wins. I know, but Goku's fights aren't necessarily curb stomps, <laughs> which is the impression I got from most of these. I do give these uh, these fights a little more benefit of the doubt because it's heavily implied that these fights that she's taking on, yeah, they're they're demons, they're Yoma, so they are actually stronger than humans. Your average dude. Yeah, but it's implied that because of all the training and the magical who's or what's it's that are put into these people, the claymores are stronger than like your average Yoma. And when by the time she comes up against one that's above average i never got that impression i got the impression she was at least as strong as them but not necessarily stronger than well my point is like you should be able to dispatch a regular ass yoma who basically doesn't see you coming whereas when she does finally eventually in volume two somewhere she gets into a fight with one that is above average strength she does lose but there's mitigating circumstances. I was going to say, only because she's defending other people repeatedly and does it multiple times before it finally gets a blow on her. I, I have a whole rant I want to have about that little section, which we'll get to, I'm sure. <laughs> In keeping with the, uh, the, the Witcher theming, she's very stoic and quiet and grumpy all the time, but she cares. <laughs> she cares for normal people who shunned her. She cares in a sundry manner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I only watched The Witcher recently. I genuinely did not remember it was this close in parallel. Because I only... I watched the anime, but I also read this pretty much when it was new. Or, like, when it was still, like, coming out, getting published and such. So, I read this a long-ass time ago. I did not remember it was so very close. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. It's like, genuinely, it's down to... If you want a less varied... If you want anime The Witcher and the Netflix film wasn't enough for you, then here you go. If you want dumber The Witcher. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they only fight one thing. <laughs> yeah, that is the, there is no variety. Like, okay, there is minimal variety between the Yoma. One has yeah. wings. Sure, that does happen. Yeah, somehow. And then it's dead, so we'll never, and we don't come back to that. I'm assuming that would get revisited down the line, but it was like, oh, here's a unique one, it's dead. Like, I know, I'm in the, the fill position here where it was a while ago, but I have seen and read way further than this. And I do know what comes back into play and what doesn't. Want to know one thing that never comes back into play? Oh, please tell me it's Racky. Please tell me he fucks off and I never oh, have to no. see him again. He is a mainstay throughout the no! entire series. 
He's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that never comes back is the black card thing they do in the second what? chapter. Yeah, it never comes back. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay, I, I guess I'll talk about that. Yeah, because that chapter, they feel like that is it. Because that's a big thing, and I feel you could have really built into that, especially considering the next volume and after that, because that ends volume one, and then the volume after that is a sort of whodunit in a cathedral religious town. But the, before that, you get this one single chapter where they're like, ah, oh, we all have black cards, and when we when one of us is losing control because uh, they're part, essentially for Claymores to have their power, they're kind of part Yoma, so they've got yeah. some blo- Yoma blood and Yoma skin. They, they are half them. human, half Yoma. Yeah, pretty much. But basically, so they and it just takes a toll on their mind. So when they're losing control, they're like, "Give this back card to insert Claymore here, so they can kill me." And and in credit to them, she does just straight up kill her. There's none of the usual like, "No, the humanity," and then they turn into a monster. That's because you have Raki, the pointless sidekick character, do that for (laughs) you. Do that for you, yeah. (laughs) He's like, "No, you can't. She's human," and she's like, "Lol, dead." Yeah, no, I love that. The fact that she didn't stop and just cleaved her immediately because, sure. you know, what the fuck does he know? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Especially because at that point, Raki's only been around for like a day. But my point was, that's a chapter and then that's just done. And it's like, right, moving on. And I'm like, you could have yeah. my, my problem drawn here this out is, of it. Uh, why even bother with all that? You, you've <laughs> got your own sword, just kill yourself. I, I think the idea at that point is they've like lost control of themselves and they don't the, like the monster the inside them wouldn't let them, or something. Yeah, like that. or yeah. Like they don't—they mm-hmm. don't have like the emotional strength to like kill themselves, or they want someone else to be there at the end. It's feeling a very um, seppuku-style thing. Because that's the other thing. Because it's not just some random person. They do a, like a whole few panels on how there's a backstory between the two of them. How yeah, like, it became Claymores at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and... I think it's Eleanor is this girl's name. Became Claymores at the same time, and they bonded, and they like comforted each other when they were wrapped in paint because they were going through the transformation process and all that and then she's dead the end bye yeah they never come back to that great <laughs> as far as i remember uh, this was a, some time ago so it was i mean i'm assuming that will fact if you haven't read the ending i don't know if you've read the ending or not i'm assuming that would factor into the ending of the series more than anything entirely possible it, it really does i mean i know we love comparing shit to bleach on this show but it really does. Do you, do you remember there's that one random ass episode in Bleach where like one of the hollows was especially evil in life, so he's getting sucked into hell. No, wrong. That's come back. That hell is coming back, buddy. That's that's Bleach, the art. Bleach is coming back, Sean. <laughs> Bleach ended before that was ever referenced again. Yeah, guess what was in the chapter the, the anniversary chapter that came out last year? <laughs> Hell's back. Yeah, but who knows if it'll come back again, but, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Totally, it's totally worth a 20-year wait. <laughs> it's kind of like that, where it's just like, this is a really big part of this universe, never mentioned again. <laughs> like, even so. So, yeah, like, that very much does feel like it's setting up for a, oh, no, now it is clear that it's turning into the monster quick. Send yeah. the black card. Get I see that would be the ending, depending on how they... Obviously, because that's 25 volumes away from what we read, so who knows how it goes. But but yeah, that never really sets up. Uh, that never really does anything again, as far as I remember, which is unfortunate because it's like one of the few things in these early chapters that are quite unique to this. The idea of they take this evil into themselves 
and they have to always be on guard controlling it. Like it's their human mind that keeps the monster at bay. So if they are too exhausted or like they just give up mentally or whatever, then the the monster takes over and slowly turns them into it slowly turns them into the the very thing they're fighting. The way they were talking about it to me implies that this is a thing that is guaranteed to happen. Yeah, like it'll happen eventually if you keep using your Like power. it's not even you can if you've got a strong mind, strong will, you can stay human until you just die of natural causes or whatever, assuming that's possible. It's no, eventually the monster wins, you will turn and Yeah. Well that's actually um it's not really relevant to the manga, but I think when I read briefly about the DS game, the mechanic in that is essentially you, the player, can determine how much Yoma power you want Claire to be using. But if you overuse it and overabuse it, she'll just turn into a Yoma and it's game over. Well, that's sort of what the imply happened with Elaine, is it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. She's not that relevant. The implication was that she wasn't as mentally strong, I think, as Well, she was sort of saying, oh, like, she kept wanting more power to be stronger, blah, blah, blah. So she was using more of the demon powers, the Yoma powers, and therefore she is losing the fight and killed. I, I do have something fun to say about that, but it didn't take place in anything we read. It happens later. So I don't know if you wanna if you consider that relevant or not. Have that, buddy. Um uh so you think Claire's like really powerful and stuff and her friend wanted to use all of her power up as quickly as possible, essentially to get as strong as her friend Claire. Uh you find out later there's a scene which has a lot of claymores in it at one time. And uh, they all have numerical ranks based on who's oh, the no. most powerful. Claire is the least powerful Claymore in of the entire she organization. Is. Yeah, sure thing. Okay. <laughs> Got it. There is a reason for that. I'm but... the zero for Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> I am E rank. <laughs> Only I'm not I can lie. I, I was going to be like, when you're like, oh. oh, it's generic medieval fantasy town, I was like, oh, so we're in uh, Isekai, are we? <laughs> it is like proto isekai in some nah, ways. Alright, I'm not going to sacrilege this in that way. It, it's, you don't see stat blocks, there's no yeah. endless diatribes about money or ranks or how the organization's structured. There is a bit later, but yeah. <laughs> I, sure, but the point is it's not front-ended like yeah, so yeah. many of these series do. Sure, like when it does appear later, it is to add uh, flavour to the universe not to be like, this is the rules, let's get that out of the way. Yeah, it's, it's not like that. But yeah, you find out she is the weakest one for reasons I won't say because that does go into spoiler territory. I'm assuming she doesn't use her demon powers as much as everyone else. You can assume all you want. I won't tell you. Like, there is a reason, and it's actually a fairly weird but good and unique reason, so I won't spoil it. Won't, won't, won't say the art. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> God, Phil. Like, I'm, I'm not saying nothing. It's because, yeah, it's... um. This one does have a few things that sets up quite in the early stages of it that may make you want to read on further, so I wouldn't be surprised if you did want to. I've no idea if you two want to, but I get it. We'll get to that later, I guess. We'll get to that, I suppose. I mean, one thing I will give this some praise for, because we've talked a lot about the fights, but they actually, uh, Norihiro Yagi, I feel does a pretty dang good job of, like, there's a lot of fights in this, and they get a lot of screen time, but it's not to use our favourite comparison bleach of just, ah, I'm going to use my Bankai. Let me explain for five pages how this technique works. I counter it. Let me explain for five pages. No, no, it's just 
textless fighting for the main. But what does Pot of Greed do? There's <laughs> none of that bullshit. <laughs> it means you don't have a ghost of a chance. <laughs> it means uh, you're disqualified because Pot of Greed's banned. It sure is. But yeah, there's, there's no. They don't name their attacks or anything like that. It is literally just I have a big sword and I hit you with it and you fall into a lot of pieces. Like, could we could do techniques or I could just cut your arm off. Yeah, that happens in every fight. I was going to say... I mean, talk about comparing to Bleach. Bleach and the (laughs) shoulder shots. This is very much like, haha, I have disarmed you. (laughs) I I will give it, like... I'm not going to compare this to Bleach, but I will give this a lot of credit because you see so many anger and so many anime wuss out of actually showing, like, genuine cleaving, I'm going to use the term for. Basically, they're just like, oh, we'll cut to black and white or we'll cut away and there's a splash of blood. But this one's like, nah, you just see people get fucking... Get, you see heads get cut in half, and they are not t- looking the camera away. You will <laughs> yeah. see this happen. Like, everything, every single enemy seems to get both of their arms cut off, though. Which I guess <laughs> kind of does make a bit of sense, because the Yoma's primary thing is their claws on their fingers. So it kind of makes sense to literally disarm them, but it also just seems like a bit of a cheap shot to show violence. Like, this is an easy thing to kill to hit all them with. Is it the main weapon? I never really got that impression apart from the one in volume two, which pretty much all of the any of them who damaged Claire have done it through their arm claws, basically. Yeah. When she like, gets impaled through the heart in one of the fights, it's because they pulled it. Through the heart? From the fake claymore. Oh no, that wasn't through the heart, it was like through a stomach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Say, through that area. Through that area, it conveniently yeah, didn't hit her vital organs, but Yes, yes, of course. It didn't hit anything important. There's nothing important in your abdomen. No, not nothing at no, all. No. And to be fair, that fight also does match her mentality of like, oh yeah, well I, I took that hit because then now I'm next to my claymore, which I threw away earlier. Cleave. No, it was wasn't the whole point she threw it away because she knew the the Yoma had taken Raki, the pointless side character hostage. Not pointless. He is. Po- He's very pointless. So no point oh. whatsoever. <laughs> he is the viewer insert, and I hate him for it. <laughs> so he's he's been taken hostage by the Yoma, and the Yoma's like, "Ha ha! Throw away your claymore." She's like, "All right, throws it away." And then you find out after the fight, she's like, "Oh yeah, I did that because I knew even if I killed you, talking to Raki." that it would have just run away and I wouldn't have gotten it. Whereas if I threw my claymore away, it would lunge at me and fall into my trap. Aha! It's like... Uh, uh, uh. That kind of reminded me of... There's a bit in Rick and Morty where pretty much the exact same thing happens. An alternate universe, Rick is holding Summer hostage and our Rick uh, convinces him to throw his hostage away because his actual line of th- thinking is uh, no, I actually want you to shoot her first, so I have a better chance at shooting you. Yes. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. Like, no, 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 there's a higher percentage chance that I can shoot you if you're not holding her versus me shooting you through her. <laughs> and it's very Rick and Morty. It's the same sort of situation. It's like, no, no, I, I, I want you to let go of him so I can kill you better. <laughs> not so I can save him. God. That wasn't even the logic there. The logic was by throwing away her weapon, the Yoma would get closer to her to try and kill her. And therefore, 
she can now hit it because mm-hmm. it is close. It's coming towards her rather than running away, which is what she was worried if she. It is very much that fight logic, and I think this does actually happen later on. Of like, I'll let you stab me through my hand or whatever, because then you can't get away. <laughs> it well, it was because that was where she gets an arm through her gut. Yes. Yep. Yeah, she is um, durable. Let's say she can take a lot of uh, a lot of punishment because uh, she does have demony healing powers That's the th- they touch on it a bit but they never really go into it these two vibes she clearly has some magical healing juju because she's able to like stop the bleeding using mm-hmm. her yoma powers but it also doesn't go away because this gets referenced once or twice throughout that they especially throughout volume two where like she's pretty banged up already from these wounds she's taken in previous fights see i took that as it's a thing that happens a bit later that's when she's explaining the whole she needs to make sure she's constantly on guard and not being taken over so uh, from the demon powers so i took that as uh she could use it to heal herself but the more she does that the more she's like inviting the yoma to take the, the over the more she's turning to the monster yeah so like it's it's best to be avoided if she can just do natural human healing with it so it's emergencies only he- heal just enough to not yeah die kind of thing so that's what I get from it. So she's basically healing the death away, but still being heavily injured. No, that's that's fair. Yeah, like, unlike a lot of these style of manga, they actually do seem like they've thought through a lot of these things. They're not just asking you to shrug it off, you know? Stuff does get foreshadowed a little at times, yeah. In the, vo- the volume two essentially takes up the form of, sort of takes up the form of a whodunit, because it's a... It's a not quite, but sort of closed room mystery of there's a Yoma in this chapel, mm-hmm. but no one can come or go from this chapel. So it has to be someone in the chapel. Yeah, because they can take human form. Yeah. And they do, on my second read for I did those, they do drop a couple of hints for like a panel or I was gonna two. I going to say, to be honest, as soon as they mentioned that thing, I was like, ah, oh, so that's what it is. <laughs> uh, I didn't pick up on it because it was such a throwaway random line. It was such a throwaway random line. That's why I was like, oh, God, it's that then. Nah, because we hadn't really been established they could do that at that point. So to me, it made far more sense that, and it would be far more atmospheric if it was one of the actual priests rather than the actual solution, which was bullshit. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, the reason why we're sort of jumping around a bit is because with the exception of what happens in Chapter 2, you have the uh, events of Chapter 1, which is meeting Claire, meeting Raki, uh, finding out what their deal is briefly, so establishing stuff. In chapter two, you have the black card, which establishes what happens. No, to... chapter two is with the five on one. Okay. Chapter two. Chapter two is entirely pointless. It's not entirely pointless because it showcases also what else that she can do, but it it's very pointless in the context of what then happens. <laughs> it's really pointless. It's very similar to chapter one. It's just here is a claymore. They fight Yoma, and then. You go after chapter three, it's the what happens eventually. Chapter three is how awkwardly can we put Raki back into the story? Yeah. <laughs> and boy, it just, they're just, yeah, he left town and then he, Claire found him for some reason. Fair, I think it was less he left town and was more forced out. I mean, who knows? They literally dedicate like a panel to it and then they flash back to Claire's history. So who knows what his history yeah, is? Basically, basically, the whole point is you have that flashback where she remembers that her brother was a Yoma and then everyone in her village was like, well, if her brother was a Yoma, then she could be one. So we should like get rid Which of is, her. 
so dumb considering they've just hired a claymore and it's like the claymore would have been yes you're also a yoma like yeah I, I think the implication is that how someone turns into a yoma is not particularly well understood by the general populace yeah, it's not really been defined at this point i was gonna say story. at this point we don't know how they yeah come about they just do so i'm guessing it's kind of akin to they think this person's got the yoma virus now because they were nearby i guess yeah, like, that is a stretch, I'll agree. They all do, like, people, and I get somewhat, because again, Witcher does it similarly, that people shit themselves around a claymore, which I do get partially, but it does feel like it's a bit overbared, especially when the one guy just falls on his ass after she's left the room, like, oh my <laughs> god, it felt like a monster, or it's like, Ch chill, you were sitting on a chair, dude, chill out. <laughs> Are you drunk? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, if she was gonna kill you, it wouldn't be at this point. And yeah, she definitely could have done it immediately, so... yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Although then, I mean, to be fair, this isn't necessarily the best of dealing with how people would react, considering we then have, at the end of chapter one, poor Raki, after finding out, because his, his parents were the first to die, so he's reaching out to this family, like, oh, you gotta got to help us all, and oh, they and reveal this. His brother was the was the demon all along, and then yeah. he witnesses him getting horribly slaughtered in front of him. Yeah. And then he's broken, because, you know, understandably, he's watched his family be ri literally ripped apart and then a few pages later magically he's better <laughs> trauma gone kids <laughs> it's that easy i mean, i didn't really see that as like trauma going i, I thought, saw it more as like compartmentalization because it's not long after that that you get the whole black card episode it's three chapters after that whatever it's, it, my point <laughs> was going to be originally that you get the church stuff you get the black card stuff you get the establishing stuff and the rest is generic as shit so, like, that's when you get that, and that's when, like, he starts to get really emotional about how, no, you can't kill her, she's human, she's your friend, because I, I feel like that's kind of like trauma showing its head again, but uh, it's not super well explained. I, I don't really think that's human trauma. I think that's just him being like, no, no, claymores are people too. <laughs> I mean, I was all about how he's literally just in a heap, rocking back and forth. After. Yes, he he was... Um, Catatonic. Shell-shocked. Yeah, that. It was more just to me, annoying me how just very quickly he just snapped out of then it. Then he basically heard Claire was leaving town. He was like, no, wait. I, I need to tell her she is a person, not a monster. And, uh, and imagine, Phil, if he'd never shown up in the story again after that point, that would be great. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say it would have been great. It would have I wouldn't have missed him. Because, yeah, he, he doesn't serve a ton of purpose. He serves no purpose. He's there to go, no, what? Claymores aren't human. Shit. Look, you took, like, a bite of meat and you're done. Whoa, weird. Yeah, we find out that because they're demons, people, they can take, like, one bite of meat every week and they'll be fine. They, they basically do not breathe. But, I mean, hey, he cooked a whole alligator, so, you know, credit to him. That he did do. But yeah, I believe he's, he's basically there to be not just the audience stand-in, but because the author probably realized that having like the stoic, essentially kind of boring character be like front and center is not necessarily going to be super entertaining. It's a tricky balance, yeah, because on the one hand, I do agree I couldn't see her like being the solo lead of the series for out. On the other hand, The Witcher pulls it off. Witcher does pull it off. I mean, the thing for me is it's fine to have a sidekick in in this case you could literally have a sidekick mm -hmm. 
It's just Raki does nothing. Like, have, have him travel along, learn to fight, help her. He just... But he can't fail. He's a guy, so he loses. Well, no, he, he could learn to fight. He doesn't have to become a claymore. He also has a different skill set. He's a chef. I, which, as we've established, she doesn't need because she doesn't <laughs> need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's very important. As all chefs do, he therefore eats her meals when they're <laughs> yes. out in the boat. <laughs> yes, the, because they're going undercover, so because they're going to the Holy Land and all demon power must be eliminated. That includes claymores, even though they're good, so she has to go into hiding. <laughs> in fairness, religious zealots, I can believe, will just... No, sure, but the point is, he didn't have to eat her portion. She could have just been <laughs> like, ah, I'm not hungry today. Like, I've, I've, I ate earlier or something. I Religious zealots do tend to suffer from a distinct lack of nuance. So, yeah, that makes sense, that they'd want to be as safe as possible. But, yeah, I, I don't think that she would be a great front and center character. If you compared it to The Witcher again, and the reason why that does, like, he does work as a front and center character is because he has more than one emotion. Uh, he does get actively angry. He does get sad. He even gets happy at times. Shock horror. Whereas um, Claire literally has one emotion the entire way through. And that's probably by design, uh, because constantly shunned and stuff. But yeah, and like she even says that when she was training to be a Claymore, they taught her how to put on different personalities and stuff for covert work and what have you. So it makes sense that she would, by design, be like that but that also makes it so Raki is somewhat required maybe not him specifically but another character again i have no problem with them saying like they need another character going along with her it's just the character they have with her is pointless and serves a <laughs> purpose he serves a purpose not to her but a purpose well, that's the point it's it's no purpose to her so why is she bringing him along someone needs to carry her claymore <laughs> no she, she does carries it not in volume two, she doesn't. Oh yeah, because when they've got it disguised as a statue, because they yes. can't drink, because for some reason they can't bring a claymore into the city. It would be a slight giveaway. It would be a giveaway. Like it's a very distinctive weapon in this world. Because they're the only people that wield claymores. I would assume so. Uh, I don't think they're the only ones who do, because otherwise, how would they get like the name for it and stuff? I think it's more that their particular brand of it is very notably noticeable like it's very distinctive i think again i think I, i'm having to infer a lot of stuff to be fair it would also be like i'm staying here oh man that's a claymore and you're a young girl with armor you know what um mm -hmm. i'll just well, she's not wearing priest. armor at that point at that point she's not yeah it's, it, you you'd have alarm bells going off <laughs> she's also a very slight girl a female person wielding a huge sword. It's not typical. <laughs> to be fair, as we find out later, the main thing everyone looks for anyway is the silver eyes, which she gets magic juju pills to make her stop having silver eyes. Yes, numbing her powers and stuff for temporary times, yes. So her carrying a claymore would be like, that's a bit fucking weird. You've not got silver eyes, so I guess <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. They were about to arrest her in that one chapter until, you know, Raki bit the guy's arm so i don't think the eyes would have gotten her away with it <laughs> best legal defense i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> no you can't arrest my sister she's nice and i'm gonna bite you <laughs> like oh well the kid bit me he's got all his legal papers in order <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, the kid bit me. I need to go make sure I've not got rabies now. <laughs> make sure I'm not a yeoman. That's how they spread, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then, yeah, that proceeds to be the entirety of Volume 2 and some more because it doesn't finish at the end of Volume 2 just to be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, uh, Volume 2 ends on a cliffhanger, essentially. I, it, like, don't get me wrong. I've got no problem with there being a longer arc. Like... Our favorite comparison, Bleach. Like I loved it when Bleach Volume Three is the entirety of the Grand Fisher arc, but that's the point. It's the entirety of it. It's done. It doesn't drag on like this one feels like it can do at times. Like I assumed it was going to end in the end of Volume Two, and they were going to finish this city arc. So the thing, the thing for me is, I think you could probably have cut down the first four chapters to two chapters. Yeah, there's a lot and in the early days. Start which is this insane. arc in volume one and finish it at the end of volume two, even. Uh, I think you need more individual chapters at the start of a series just to establish the status quo. I, I don't think you need that many. Say, like, the first two. Four isn't a lot. <laughs> it's not, but the first two are so similar, I don't think you would lose much by cutting out chapter two. I mean, you say four's not a lot. The first two volumes are only nine chapters. Yeah, you just. Basically, make it so if you really want to keep Rocky around, you just have him go with her at the end of chapter one, rather than having this pointless. Here, look, he's back, and oh, we're doing the same shit again. In my head, in theory, I in chapter two you should have had Rocky somewhere in the background, or had like pages that cut to him, so you know he's going to actually be part of the story going on. It feels very much like the author was then told you, you need a psychic, and we're like, oh. Guess I'll yeah. drag that kid back from chapter one then. Well, we've talked about this before, where one shots get serialized. That's kind of what this feels like, doesn't it? Where it's like this one shot was for Clay. The Claymore was going to be a one shot, and then afterwards they're like, "Oh, we're serialized. Bring this kid back. He can be the sidekick now, and then we can start yeah, building can from that. there." No, I, I, I think the way chapter one went, Raki was always going to come back. It was just chapter three was a bit sudden. I guess, in some ways. Sure, which one was chapter 3? Chapter 3 was the one where he comes back. Oh, okay. <laughs> it starts with him passing out outside of a town, and then he wakes up and is like, oh, some Claymore brought you here and wants to see you. It's like, ah, here's this random Claymore. It's like, yes, hello, I am Claymore. And he's like, no, you're not. Claymores don't call themselves Claymores. You're a demon. That entire interesting angle just gets thrown away immediately in that chapter. Just like, oh, what a Yoma disguised the Claymore. It's gone. Dead. Done. Moving on. Like, one thing that they do establish quite early, but they don't... They, make, they establish it, but don't make it clear that's what they're going for. Yomas are shapeshifters. That's their thing. And they, the reason they kill humans is because they eat them. They eat their flesh. Their organs, specifically. Yes, their guts. Their internal organs, specifically. Not their external organs. Ew, gross, those have been on the floor. <laughs> so, yeah, they... So that's the reason that they eat humans, and they blend into human society by literally shape-shifting or inhabiting humans' bodies. It's That one's not clear at all. I think it's shape-shifting because in Chapter 1, the brother's basically like, yes, I ate your brother and turned into him and have all his memories and... Yeah, that's shit. why it's not super clear, because you also, in that same scene... You also get this moment, which could be explored, but I don't think ever is. No, not in this, too. Yeah, of uh, when he's attacking his, well, brother, quote-unquote, the Yoma starts crying, and he's like, oh, I guess that's the final vestiges of your brother screaming out in pain. Well, sim similarly, as I said, supposedly, he, he, that the demon 
gets all of the memories, that's yeah. never flawed in any way. And it's like, damn, that would be pretty cool. And from what I remember of this series, it doesn't explore any of that later either. I feel like they just they take away all that nuance and ideas and they just turn it into these are monsters, we must kill them. That they are monsters that look can look like people. Yeah. There's a lot of potential complexity here that the series does just seem to just be like, but that's not what it's about, so eh. It's about yeah. a woman with a big sword cutting. We've set it up for if we need it. Yeah, and that's it's a real shame because Again, this is a long time ago that I read further than this, but I don't think they ever do explore a lot of these ideas again. Like, they don't explore the black cards again. They don't explore the Yomas were people once thing. Well, I think the thing is, even if they do, they apparently didn't do it much if you're not remembering it. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I seem to remember they essentially just demote Yomas to the big bad that must be killed, and we don't think about that too hard. Which is a real shame. I was going to say, it reminds me a little of... Um, Phil will know what I'm on about here. Mike, probably not. But uh, in Indie Greyman, another Shonen series, originally they're fighting... I've blanked on Ackermans. the enemies. The Akamas, that's it. And originally they're like, oh, and they're all exactly the same, but with like a level system. So like all level 1s look the same. All level 2s look the same. All level 3s in theory look the same. And then I think within a couple of volumes, the author realises... That's stupid and is very mm. limiting. So let's just have them be whatever the fuck they want to be. And that way we've got a variety of enemies. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember because it's been that long since I've read any D. Grayman. So I'm like a whole chapter behind at this point. <laughs> but yeah, to be, the, the one thing I would say with D. Grayman is I think the difference was it became apparent not too far in that. Again, I, to be fair, I don't remember how far in this actually happened, but that the fight is less against the... It's less against the Akuma and more against the Noah. Yeah, against the Noah specifically. Well, to be fair, they say right from the get-go it's all oh, we're, we're fighting the Millennium Earl. But he is like the biggest bad. Yeah, but it is just a series where originally it has the same kind of very limited enemy types and then realises Rutt-Row, that's, that's boxing ourselves in. Fix that. Yeah, I don't remember when they start doing all the varieties. That level three is... I think it's level three where they magically then all start changing. And then level four doesn't revert back to haha, we're all angel babies. Level four is a baby, and I think only one's ever shown up, I think. Is it? I thought they had more than that, but. Either way, that's for a Degrayman episode, which will never happen because that's a good <laughs> series. Well, this, uh, eventually, this does go into a little bit like that. And you see a sprinkling of that towards the end of what we read. Because we find out that the she has to do this covert mission in a religious capital of the country or whatever. And specifically inside the cathedral. So like the most religious part of the religious capital. And uh, we find out that the one in there is what is known as a voracious eater. So one which is like one level above the regular mooks that she's been killing so far. Well, the thing is, they don't even necessarily say it's one level above the random mooks. They basically say, yeah, every so often these guys just get like really fucking hungry for some reason. Yeah, but they do also say it's more powerful. It's because it's older, is what they say. No, do they actually say they that? They do. The older it gets, the more hungry it gets, and the more it eats, the more powerful it gets. Which is why they were having trouble with it to begin with. So the way I read it, which admitted I might have missed something, was just... No, they do. At least in the Viz translation, they do say clear as day it's because it's age. Yeah. 
And I can tell you from what happens later on that, yes, that's a thing. And they do later on, they do like expand it out even more, being like, uh, this is a, this is a, a some, something that's bigger, but more scary. And this is more scary than that. And this is more scary than that. They do structure it a bit more later. But... Do, do they come up with better terminology than voracious eater? I don't remember, but I don't <laughs> think so. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all like that, like just saying stuff like that. They don't ever go as far as giving shit ranks or anything, I don't uh, think. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong. On the one hand, I do hate that nonsense and like have respect for series like Walking Dead where they're just like, they're just, they don't just don't call them zombies ever. They're all just this thing. But um, you, at some point you do, you do need somewhat of a classification system to help you. <laughs> You can't just be like, it eats a lot. We'll call it a voracious eater. Like I, In Walking okay. Dead's defense, the concept <laughs> of a zombie doesn't exist in that Yeah, world. no, I appreciate that. <laughs> Which just seems bizarre yeah, that's weird. in some yeah, ways. That's like, weird, yeah. I, I understand to an extent where it's like, oh yeah, zombies don't exist in this world, so they don't call them zombies, but it's literally our world, with the exception that zombies were never imagined up. <laughs> it's our world, but movies were good. Because they didn't have zombies in them. Right, buddy. I know you have a hate boner for the undead, but all right. Because the thing is, in Walking Dead, they just call them walkers. The walkers, I think, don't they? Walkers, yeah. Like that brand of crisps. It's like, why not just stop, stop trying to make up your own name for it? Everyone calls them zombies. Call them zombies. Just... <laughs> but then it's lost its unique thing. But it doesn't have a unique thing. You can call it whatever the fuck you want. I feel Everyone's running for like 50 zombies. series is a unique thing. Uh, no, it's not. Have you ever read One Piece? It's been done. <laughs> running for a long ass time. I, sure, but I feel for zombie medium. Probably the longest running zombie thing ever. Okay, once again, I don't even like the show, but once again, in defense of... <laughs> since we're doing this now... I'm not attacking dead, it! <laughs> the shtick of that is less about there are zombies and more about... There are always zombies in the background. These people just get on with life as much as they can yeah, between attacks. The, zom the zombie apocalypse has happened. How do people live? Yeah, pretty much. That, that's the Walking Dead shtick. And then every so often someone gets eaten. Because why not? Because the fucking idiots, yes. Which is actually kind of like this one. <laughs> kind of like Claymore. It's a demon apocalypse instead of a zombie apocalypse. And every so often... And people try and live their lives, but keep getting eaten. I mean, in fairness, there's not much else they can do. Like, you submit a request to, to the Claymore company, and then that's about all you can do, really. <laughs> yeah, they submit a request, and then someone may or may not show up, followed by someone else who will collect the money. Because <laughs> thus far, the only non-Claymores we've seen try and fight Ayoma are some of the guards from the uh, religious city in the volume. Yeah, and they and lost. they fulfill very... <laughs> right. Yeah, they do very little. Right. I want my rant now. Okay, we finally got there. Ugh, fucking God. <laughs> Go for it. So, we, we get to the point where Claire's broken into the cathedral at night. I say broken in. Ran through the front door, but broken in for all intents and purposes. There's the Yoma. Guards are chasing after her. like, ah, oh, you're a demon. Ah, oh, we've got to kill you. And then there's the big, actual, full-blown demon. And she's like, Guys, you know fucking match. Run the fuck away. They start getting their asses kicked. She's saying, she's like, guys, 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 run the fuck away <laughs> as she gets hit again. And then they're like, no, no, we can help. Uh, and then 
saves them again. And like, guys, seriously, run the fuck away. And they're like, no, it's guys. <laughs> just run away. I mean, multiple points here. One, they're arrogant guys. So yeah, no shit, they don't run away. Two, they're dedicated to defending the town and the city. So they're not going to be cowardly and run away. Yes, I get this, but it's very clear she's only taking hits because she is literally saving them. Yes, but why would they care about that? They don't care if she dies. Yes, I know they don't care if she dies, but the <laughs> point is literally she's clearly more powerful than them, trying to fight the demon, and she can't fight it because she's busy saving their lives. If they fuck off for five minutes, <laughs> she can kill it, and then they can kill her, and problem solved. Like, Again, that's not wrong. how their mentality would work. You're, you're completely right, but that's not how their mentality would work. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely not wrong, and I do agree with you on many points, but yeah, it's also they have been presumably raised from birth to be like, all demon of any kind is bad, and so they've got a couple here fighting. They're not just going to be like, ah, let's leave them to it. I, I, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. It, especially when you mix religious fervor into the mix. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like, yes, I get that. But again, it's just so painfully obvious that yes, the only reason is. she can't be. But you're not in a cult, Phil. Is because <laughs> they're getting in the fucking way and she's trying to keep them alive. And it's. <laughs> Which is apparently not a trait that most Claymores, uh, from what I've been told, most Claymores share. Uh, apparently, they're supposed to be completely dispassionate and not give a shit. Yes, supposedly the only thing they care about is killing the demons. Yeah, so Claire is apparently an outsider in that regard. and Which is why, actually, she gets sent on the covert mission in the first place, because she's traveling with this kid, and they can more easily pose as... I was going to say, it's, it's less... That's why she gets picked. She gets picked because she's got the kid, and it's easier to blend in. Yeah, uh, and they can pose as a brother, traveling brother and sister. But uh, the reason why she's he's there in the first place is, I believe, it's because she basically sees him as like a surrogate brother because he lost his family in basically exactly the same way that she lost hers. When she ran off to become a Claymore, he ran off to join a Claymore. <laughs> so that's why I guess that she is around because she essentially has residual guilt slash residual issues that she's solving. Don't get me wrong, I know why he's there for the story purposes, I just wish he had a bit more personality. I mean, she's thing. constantly trying to get rid of him as well. Is she? she? Well, she's constantly saying every town they come to when they're together, she's like, yes, you can find a town that you like and you can stay there. You, you can stay in this town. And literally stay, says stay to here. the priest, like, if I, if I die here, uh, you yeah, that's keep him not here, right? getting rid of him, though. I mean, it is. It's not. That's her saying, hey, if I die... But she also does say later on, like, what do you think of this town, eh? It's a nice <laughs> place to live, eh? Yeah, I don't think that's where they're going with it, but it does come off a bit like, hey, you, you like this town, right? Yeah? You want to live here, right? <laughs> it does... I don't think it's meant to be that, but it does come off that way. All but... I'm saying is I wouldn't complain if he was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll stay here. I'd be like, yeah... <laughs> Get me a new sidekick who doesn't suck. <laughs> I actually don't mind him as much as you guys seem to. I don't, let me put this out. I don't mind him. It's just you think he's pointless. He's pointless. Yeah. G give me something to like. Give me some reason to care about him. Like, give him something. <laughs> Make him do something. If you gave it like the hook of she's just like an absolutely terrible cook. I mean, like completely terrible. Can't cook anything, 
And this kid comes along like, I can offer you this one service, this one thing you're missing in life. And she's like, you know what? You have some use. I like you. And all the surrogate brother shit. But she doesn't eat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, all I'm saying is Jaskier's funny, whereas this guy... <laughs> oh, the guy from Witcher, yeah. Yeah, the, the bard from Witcher who essentially takes the role of Raki in that. Let's say, even if it was just like he just said, please teach me how to fight so I can... I don't fucking I was gonna know. Say, it's fight. like either he could learn to fight or if she didn't have the whole eating thing, then she could actually use his skill. Yeah, like, like yeah. some purpose to having him. Or maybe, besides. you know, they're in a town that's fervent about killing anyone with demon powers, including the Claymores. Have him be the information gatherer. He can walk around without problem because he doesn't have demon powers. Make that his angle. One thing, again, I'm absolutely could be wrong about this but i don't think he ever evolves into that kind of no i don't i don't think he will because that's not his character his character has shown no willingness to i i think he he literally just travels around with claire because of the loneliness basically (laughs) i think that's it like and they do they do actually get a believable familial relationship going at some point now all I can think of comparison-wise is just Peach Boy Riverside, which has a similar first chapter of the guy who slaughters it, well, the person who slaughters everything and then leaves the other person behind. But then she becomes a badass, whereas... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because the thing is, she she travels knowing she's useless to try and become better, become a stronger person. And then, you know, there's the whole shit where she gets magical bullshit powers, but whatever. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Whereas this is just, no, he's travelling because she air quote saved him and he's like no i i want to stick with her because she's cool and badass and yeah and, and that's it <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah uh i don't know if it ever evolved I mean, into anything at like least that. he hasn't started that. ogling her yet you know <laughs> to be fair i don't think he ever does okay but that's good i get this is a true i believe again thinking back uh i believe this is a an actual example of a male and female protagonist who aren't sexually tensioned the entire time that's good because there is the one throwaway joke where she's talking about the training and she's like oh yeah t- you know trained had to be a prostitute and they're like please don't go down this path <laughs> yeah i don't think they ever do he was like wait what a prostitute and she's like oh yes you want me to show you it's like, <laughs> uh... no it's it's not like that <laughs> I do genuinely believe this develops into an actual brother-sister-esque relationship, not anime brother and sister, where it's like, we're not related by blood, so it's okay. This is like a decade before emo, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, this is actually crazy old now. Like, I didn't realize how old it was. Yeah, was this their first work? Second work? No, they actually had started, I believe it's like about two decades before is when they'd started, so this is their second major work. One thing you absolutely can tell is how old this thing is by the artwork itself. Like, it's it's not bad, but it is definitely aged now. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell it's just, like, from a time before uh, the proliferation of... The heavy proliferation of digital art. I was going to say, it is all hand-drawn. Oh, this mm-hmm. makes so much more sense, though, because I looked on what they did beforehand. I hadn't recognised it before because I'd only seen the English name. It was Angel Densetsu. That's what they did yes. beforehand, which is Phil's we, we beloved mentioned it before guy with a weird podcast. face series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has one. But the point is, like, the, they started working in 1990, whereas Clayball started in 2001. So Yeah. Like 2001, really? I'd have thought it was earlier than that. 
Now, Angel Densetsu was 92 to 2000, and then they started this afterwards, 01 to 14. Yeah, that does wow, sound that about right. That me. Because I, I originally read Claymore when it was still being published and when I first got into manga, and that was around, like, 12, 13-ish. We'll say, like, just not, not thinking too hard about dates here or anything. In my mind, I sort of assumed it ran, like, 80s to... Oh no! Two thousand, early two thousand, maybe. <laughs> oh no! No, this wasn't. Uh, this wasn't going up against Dragon Ball. No. <laughs> God, yeah, Dragon Ball was like a while ago now, wasn't it? OG Dragon Ball, yeah. OG, yeah, original Dragon Ball, which was still loosely based on Journey to the West. Yes, yes. And while while we are talking briefly about the Ice Lord, I will say the one because they have a very distinctive art style for better and worse. But um, goddamn foreheads! Oh, <laughs> they got they got some big foreheads in general. <laughs> I have no particular problem with the art. Yeah. Except the faces. The faces are just a bit off. Yeah, they're, they're unsettling for some reason. I think it's forehead size, but... I, I wouldn't there's... even say it's they're unsettling. It's just they look wrong. And I can't quite place why. As you say, it could, it could just be down to, like, proportions of everything. I think it is, like, the size of the eyes versus the nose and the forehead. Like, yeah. 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 Like, I get it. Uh, but that's not really my problem with the art. My problem is more the combat choreography, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Chop off the arms. No, that's not really the problem. I, I don't really have a problem with them chopping the arms off. It's that you look at a fight from panel to panel, and you're supposed to get some idea of kinetic movement between them. That A leads to B leads to C, and eventually at Z, something dies. You don't get that a lot here. A lot of it is just like, random shots one after another and you don't see how one could have led into the other like no amount of motion lines connects these two panels together you know yeah i'm definitely like half and half on that and like i appreciate again because as i mentioned earlier there's a lot of like fights you get a lot of panel time and action time dedicated to them like it's not just two pages and they're done Hmm. but on the flip side yeah it is also there are times where i'm like i how how did we get to this part of the fight what i don't yeah like, I appreciate you've put the effort in to give, actually give me some runtime, but needs a bit more fluidness or interconnectivity between panels, for sure. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't remember, apart from the fight against the one in the cathedral, most of the fights felt like they were they were basically one or two panels and done. It was basically like... No, most of them cut off its arms like and now pages. it's cut off its head. Especially, yeah. that, the most egregious example of it is an early one, so... They probably improve, but it's the one where she fights five on one. Yeah, so the five weak Yoma versus her. Uh, she was supposed to wait for backup, but no, she wanted to save people, but she didn't want to well, save. She that. wasn't supposed to wait for backup. The guy who's like, "Here's your mission," is like, "Yeah, you know, there's a few of them probably. If you wait a few days, you can have some backup." And she's like, "Nah, fuck that." Yeah, uh, that one's pretty bad because it's probably it's probably compounded by the fact that there's multiple bodies in the scene. So it's more difficult to track them place to place. But yeah, that that one makes it really difficult to like to to follow the fight through the panels. And that one makes it a little just shows that the more aged art style doesn't help this kind of scene very much. Like with more modern digital techniques, you can probably make connect those panels a bit better than they did. I mean, I'm not going to say it's because of the age or the technique used. I think it's just not coherent enough in terms of panel to panel or anything. Like, that would still be an issue, even if you do it. You think it's the storyboarding more than. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, 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 that's the only real problem I have. Like, I don't even have a problem with the weird faces because it's it's consistent and it's clearly a choice. Yeah, no, I'm. I mean, it's very consistent. It's just unsettling. It's consistently weird is my problem. <laughs> yeah. So it's not. I don't even find it unsettling. It's just something about it looks wrong to me. Like it doesn't quite look like a person face. Sure, sure. Which I know is weird because you know stereotypical anime is like fifty percent eyes, but yeah. I mean, now that you think about, now that you mention it, at least the Yoma when you see them in their like true form kind of look more humanoid than the humans do. I mean, the Yoma are just b- veiny, bulgy humans in many ways. Yeah. But now they are, yeah. I, th- I think it, they're supposed to be kind of leathery or something, I guess. Y- you get um, different shaped ones later down the line. Well, we do, we do see in like, chapter 2 there's one with a wing, which is never brought up again. It is brought uh, up again later. I'm sure it is brought up again, but in the two volumes, never brought up again. I think the idea of showing that now is to show they are shapeshifters. They can take whatever form they want. And so they can just grow wings and fly away if they want to. Why more of them don't do that more often is a mystery. But besides, It, it was that, also to help to like show like one of them is the senior one, as it were, of the group. Mm-hmm. Which, again, counts for nothing when he gets a sword thrown through his heart <laughs> sure. two pages later. Maybe that's why they don't uh, fly away all the time. Because <laughs> they just get a sword lobbed at them. <laughs> I mean, it's an impressive throw, I'll give her that. Yeah. So it, it is that very cliched, like, oh no, one of them's flying away. Let me just, like, tear a muscle throwing this thing. <laughs> yeah. This unwieldy object. This thing with no aerodynamics yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Let me throw this sword. It's like, that's. Mm, no. It's like, because your standard big, chunky sword is essentially a, in the words of a uh, character from Berserk, just a lump of iron. So the the whole point of it is that it's it's sharp, sure, but it's more that it's heavy, so you can just like yeah. crush people with it. I mean, to be clear, like claymores aren't at the same level as say Guts's sword or like. But at the same sword. time, they're probably not far off. Cause bear in mind, Guts' sword was supposed to be like a big two hundred. Like I appreciate it's supposed to be bigger and heavier than. It's like a foot wide. Is the thing with Guts' sword? It, yeah, it's meant to be ridiculous, like the Buster Sword. Yeah. These are, like, relatively normal-looking weapons. They are claymores. Yeah, like, every weapon you see in this, every armor, with the exception of the claymore themselves, like, everything in this is reasonable. You've got to give it credit for that. It, this is before, like, the ridiculous anime tropes really took a hold, I feel. That's the thing. Like, when I was writing the definition at the start, I said dark fantasy, because I think that's what Wikipedia and some other sites call it. But I'm also like, it's not really that far into fantasy like as things go it's just there's some monsters and a slightly superpowered girl supernatural like if you if you watch the another netflix show the castlevania show it's kind of yes. like that where it's like that kind of parallel with reality so it's like it's mostly real but there's this thing and it's it set in this particular time period yeah supernatural set in medieval time yeah pretty much i i actually like it I do. It's nice to, yeah, they make up their own like country and their own town names and stuff. But it's nice to not really? have to. Yeah, they do. Like every town's got like a weird I suppose name. Suppose actually they do talk about the town. I don't remember them talking about the country, but no, no, they don't. I just comes up when he's when she's talking to the priest because she's like, "I'm from blank nation," but I didn't write it down because f- thankfully it's not relevant. 
Not yet. It's not relevant. No, I don't oh, think it's no. ever relevant. Actually, but uh, I mean, it's kind of. Re- if you're about to tell me world politics starts being a factor, I'll be like, oh no, please. No. Um, I guess this is a spoiler. I guess so. Skip ahead like a minute if you care. But uh, later on, around the same time that you find out that there's multiple ranks and she's the weakest one, you also find out that there is like a neighboring country which has been completely overrun by Yoma. So, like, it does come into play a bit later. So, but that's about it. But yeah, it was nice to n- not have to completely relearn everything I know about reality for once. <laughs> I, I think for me, the problem is in some ways. You say they're like, oh yeah, we learn there's a, we we learn that information just so people don't have to skip ahead again. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, could we not have made? In some ways, it'd be nice to have that sort of information a bit earlier on because no, it wouldn't. Jesus, no. But the thing is, we have no idea how common are the Yom. Just apparently, it's common enough that there's an organization to fight them. We don't know where they come from. We don't know how many there are. But we also know that they're rare enough that people don't. Them in terms of world building, I got all the information pretty much that I needed. I really don't need to know how their population density. Yeah, I'm. I'm you good don't need to know the being. population density, but you need to know how serious of a problem are they. It's serious enough that they hire people and spe- give like a big traditional sack of money. <laughs> yes, uh, it costs one whole sack to get a claymore into town don't you know and then there's the weird like catchphrase of oh, oh i'm not taking it someone will be along to collect the money later yeah, it, it is like it's weirdly scripted right yeah <laughs> like it's how it's always the exact same words every time it's like is this is this your attempt at a catchphrase buddy Cause, um... <laughs> it's not very catchy it's certainly a phrase yeah i actually okay that's the character we haven't mentioned the guy who follows behind because he's there for like five panels mike i like him though like i'm actually quite endeared to him than, uh, sidekick sure sure he's not there enough for me to really have an opinion on. like he's a traditional looking imagine a shady guy trying to hide his identity because he's got the full coat and the hat and the glasses i mean he does look like alucard but besides that <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Malacard recently, Mike? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I like how um, I like his expressions and his turn of phrase, and like the the sort of the tense and the t- like the sort of the sideways smirk he always has. I, I like it. I like I say, I'm endeared towards the character, and I want to know more about him. And like, he's not been overused like Raki has. So I don't hate the guy. I just feel it's hard to have an opinion on him when we've seen so little of him outside of That's future fair. mission. He basically is the guy who turns up to give the missions and he goes to collect the money after. And I mean, credit where it's due, he do, he's also not an exposition dub. It's not like, let me give you a five-page dossier on what your mission is. It's just, go here, kill Yoma. And more importantly, he's not a exposition dump for the audience because I hate one of my pet peeves when it's the as-you-know line. As-you-know, this is the situation. If they know it, you don't have to say it. I know we need to learn that, but this is a clumsy-ass way of doing it. I hate it so much. And they don't do that. They don't do the clumsy exposition. They just say, this is the mission, and then they let you figure it out. Like This one does trust you more to just figure shit out than our average read, I find. This is definitely a less is more series. Yeah, which is good. More should be like that. <laughs> more should be less. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some should be a lot less, like zero. 
the weirdest thing I found out about this, and we were briefly talking about this when we settled on this as our next um our next pick. This is a shonen manga. It's really fucking subtle and violent simultaneously for a shonen manga. It's definitely on the line of like shonen to sign-in for sure. Yeah, like it's crazy violent. Like people get I mean, yeah, it's not like founts of blood and viscera, but straight up decapitations. I mean, is it still called decapitation if you cut the head in half? Does the whole head have to come off? The big thing is there's not that much gore. Not a lot, no. You get the blood spurt when people get decapitated, and that's about it. There's not a lot of gore, but you don't exactly see Bleach or Naruto having people cleaved in half. No, you don't, but that's why I'm saying that's probably why it's not signing, because it's not like Berserk, where you would quite happily see brain matter and gut. Sure, like, it's not that graphic, but just people get stabbed a lot. Uh, bear in mind, Berserk also has sexual content, which is another I'm reason sure, why it gets yes. the X rating. I mean, <laughs> wait for it. Oh, no. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not what you're thinking. Uh, I good. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, maybe is what you're thinking. Did she get her breasts cleaved off or something like that? No, right. no, okay. no. There's a scene later on where it's like a flashback where someone attempts to sexually assault her and then they took, take one look at her Yoma riddled body and they're like, ew, gross. And she's like, yeah. And then she kills them. Is she like teeth? Got it, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's something which uh, didn't come up in this, unfortunately, but it's something which does come up in the uh, later on, where you'll notice, going back to this, she never shows her midriff, and it never shows you, at least for a very long time, doesn't show you why, and it's implied that she essentially just has a pit of demon guts where her stomach should be. So... And it's very clever about not showing you, but showing you without showing you kind of thing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was so endeared towards this is, uh, when I was a, a wee lad. But we pretty much see that area when she gets impaled for it. But you don't. You see that she has a hole through her at that point, but you don't actually see the surrounding parts of the wound. Well, you do, because then you have the shot of her like using her, uh, using her yoma, and then you see the wound yomarizing, as it were. I mean, maybe... Maybe it's a bit further up then, but still, okay. it is there, that's for sure. Plus, you also do see it from behind in the nude. Yeah, you, you, you do get a bit of a shot, but you also have Ruduka, the shady man from the organization, being like, haha, bet you'll never let the kid see this, because he'll see what a monster you are. Yeah. It's like, is, is there some shit we're not seeing here? Is yeah. The- they they are very careful, and they do show it as you point out a bit in what we read in the uh, the shower scene. Let's call it. They are very careful to not show you her front, like her, her front torso area, because it's implied that that's kind of how. Well, because that's an eighteen plus rating, like that's it what is. I assumed. <laughs> but have you have you seen the amount of shonen that are happy to have them big old jiggling titties? Oh, as long as there's no nipple, it's fine. Get away with whatever. Yeah, but like they don't show any of that like chest area whatsoever. Like, they don't give her any booby jiggle or anything like that. So, yeah, that's one of the things that they do. They are careful to not show you, and then it's because it's implied later on that literally the way they they are talking about adding yoma body parts to people, they they mean that literally. <laughs> so like, there's just like fleshy mess where her chest and abdomen should be. I got the implication that it was like skin grafts and stuff like that when they yeah. were. 
So yeah, and they do set that stuff up. And so the stuff that they foreshadow here, some they use, but some they they never do, <laughs> which is just weird. I mean, you don't know what's relevant if we throw enough at you. That is true. That is true. That's not a good thing. It's not a good no, thing. I didn't no. say that. <laughs> no, I know you didn't. It was the way Mike was going. That like, is yeah, true. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's not a good thing. And I have taken down on the series for uh, for that exact thing. <laughs> because, yeah, you can't just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. That does not make an intriguing story. That makes an annoying one. So I can totally understand how you guys would be annoyed by that. It's a thing in writing, isn't it? If you're going to mention something, make sure it has relevance. Yes, uh, Chekhov's gun. As it I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's Chekhov's gun. If you mention a gun, make sure the gun is relevant at some point. Otherwise, don't bother mentioning the gun. Yeah, exactly. Like, why is this relevant? I always have mixed feelings on that, because on the one hand, yes, I do appreciate that if you're going to spend time on something, it should have a payoff. But also, that very nature means you get into scenarios. Like, yeah, I'm, and I'm not immune to it but i think like you said earlier phil when they were like oh they mentioned this thing for a panel so that's clearly what the final villain of volume two is whereas if you didn't say that yeah the chekhov's gun argument is less about it being relevant and more about it having relevance so it's the actual chekhov's line is chekhov's gun line is if you describe a gun or show a gun in a scene then by the end of it the gun has to be fired that's the point like the ending doesn't need to be all about that gun it doesn't need to be the linchpin. It just means that someone has to fire that gun. Yeah, it has to have some purpose of for being there. Yes, exactly. So that is the defining difference uh, in what you're saying there. Uh, something can be offhand mentioned. And it's it's basically, though, it's, it's like the black letters. It's like, why bother mentioning them if they're never going to come up again? Yeah, as far as I remember, they never come up again. And yeah. I get that. It's just like, for me, my comparison would be like it's in old animation where you can clearly see which part's going to be moving. Which <laughs> yes, part the, the, <laughs> yeah. the stuff that's a static background. versus If you always obey Chekhov's gun, it gives everything away very quickly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, there is bad and good ways of doing it. And bad ways of doing it are, hey, look at this gun. And then, <laughs> yes, this is the gun that will pierce the heavens. Like, oh, okay, was that it? Right, okay, cool. <laughs> But th no one has a gun in this, so it's fine. Not Check off table. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever gets a gun. Just wait till <laughs> someone gets a gun blade, and then... Oh, oh Squall. Man, yeah, if Squall shows up, that'd be great. I mean, they have the same personality. Oh, no. Which, Which one, one did more? I insult? Which one of those did I insult? <laughs> Which one has more, Claire or Squall? <laughs> Honestly, Squall. I, I love eight, so yeah, I'll say Squall. But, uh... <laughs> Like, just thinking of it objectively, I like it. I like this as well. So, <laughs> objectively, Squall, yeah, has more personality. At least he has the benefit of being a moody teenager. Totally not 35, he's actually 17. Whereas I believe Claire is meant to be, like, mid-20s. Wait, he's supposed to be 17? Yeah, school yeah, 17, yes. They're all in school. He's in school, Cypher's in school, Selfie's This is their school. high school, yeah. They're clearly not 35. Chris, this is meant to be like in her 20s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think she's, she's 21. Even though she's clearly like 30-something. She's clearly like 38, yeah. yeah. <laughs> JRPGs, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. Overall, I would say this is not the perfect example of a shonen but i absolutely see why this did as well as it did do and i can tell you that it gets better from here if you're not convinced yet 
But if the one thing turning you off from it is Raki, then uh, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> read the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that brings it up. The only other thing I would say, and if you are going to read this, spoilers for the end of Volume 2, it does annoy me that the big reveal for that at the end is, ah, oh, it wasn't any of the priests or the guards. No, it was this random-ass mummy. That's actually the villain. In the church, they have your standard crypt situation, where it's like some important guy. And I see why that annoys you, because the Yoma that's killing everyone is not any of the priests or anything that's in there. It's actually the, the corpse in the crypt. Yeah, it's all so built up as this whodunit, and then the answer is none of them. Like, yeah, um, I can see why that annoys you, uh, especially because it's not been established at that point that Yoma can do anything except shapeshift into humans. That's the thing. When they said that, I was like, oh, so why are they not just like foxes or birds or mm-hmm. random wildlife? I mean, to be fair, I was going to say you're assuming it was shapeshift. I mean, we do actually see it changing shape at the end, but I would just, I would generally assume for these sorts of things, they would be Closed cask? Is that the correct term? I don't You would assume that there you would be have a stone covering over them or something rather than just here's a mummy open to the wild. Yeah. So you know, you your guards and your priests wouldn't notice anything's amiss necessarily. But yeah, it seems it seems a bit annoying in some ways, definitely that Claire didn't trigger until like halfway through that last chapter we read where it was like, wait, but if it's not any of the priests, it's not any of the guards. My God, why didn't I think about the corpses? Yeah, because if that's an op- if that's a possibility, why wouldn't you have thought of that before? Yeah, why now? wouldn't you have checked that? Like, I totally get that if it was like, oh my God, we've never seen one do this before, that would be bullshit as well, but it would also make sense from a character perspective. But now she's like, hang on a minute, why didn't I check the corpses? Like, yeah, why didn't you fucking check the corpses? I will say there was a brief moment as well where I was like, oh, maybe it's not a corpse, is when she turned to Father Vincent, was it? Mm-hmm. The, the person that basically hired her in a bit of a shocking twist. He was like, ah, yes, I'm hired by the priest because they think I'm the only one that can deal with it. And then she turns to him and is like, ah, maybe it was you. I've still got to check you. And I was like, oh, maybe it was him. Maybe it was some weird, elaborate double bluff he's trying to. And he's like, no, no. He's I fine. thought it was going to be one of the two guards. One of the two guards. Yeah, that was a possibility. Like the really big sword man or throwy knife boy. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was a bit too obvious. I knew it wouldn't have been the main priest dude because I didn't actually remember when. I, so I was reading this as if it was the first time, and I knew it wouldn't be the priest though because they actually used that twist already in <laughs> one of the flashbacky, the one of the throwaway ones. Yeah, because like you see that the. the chief of the town or the mayor or whatever saying here's Uh, some money and then she's like it's you and then cuts him in half cuts his head off so they actually use that twist already so it couldn't they i mean they could do it again but it would be you know didn't we just do this (laughs) it's not much of a twist at that point didn't we just do this and also five chapters to build to this (laughs) yeah so i mean i wouldn't have minded that especially if they did something i think the thing for me is it would made a lot it would have been a bit more impactful in this instance compared to the village chief because in this instance there's actually build up. It's also the location as well, because it's taking place in the holy city mm-hmm. where no demon powers are allowed. It's like it is his cunning way of getting rid of the claymores. Invite them in to try and kill him, and then they get killed themselves. I mean, in that case, why not just go all in? Why not have like the main part of the church have some dude who was crucified and he's just there on the cross, and then just be like, "It's that." <laughs> 
I mean, no one said that Jesus exists in this world. <laughs> no one said there was Christianity. It's not Christianity, wink, wink. They reference there are different religions and people worship different gods in, like, a panel. Yeah. Except they are definitely a bishop in a cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christianity is the only one, or Catholicism specifically, is the only one that does that. <laughs> sure, but it's a place of worship with a religious figure. Call the building what you want, call the person what you want. Sure, sure. And hey, who knows, maybe just the they did use their own word, but they didn't translate very well, so the translators did that. Who knows? Maybe. I think it's unlikely, but yes, that is possible. <laughs> it is unlikely, yeah. And then the volume ends without having finished the arc. <laughs> yeah. It ends on a cliffhanger. Like, of course she's going to win, right? You That's know the she's thing. Win. I don't get why the cliffhanger's there, because the cliffhanger, she has her weapon back. So I'm like, okay, next chapter, she cleaves it. The end. Done. No, it's not it'll quite get, that simple. get away, and then... Yeah, pretty much that, yeah. She'll have to explain herself to all the other priests who didn't know she was there, because that one guy did it all in secret, and it'll be a whole thing, and then finally they'll be convinced when the demon reappears and starts murdering more people, like, fine, kill it, but then we kill you, or something. Yeah, I'm not sure why the volume ends there. Like, I'm assuming this was originally in a magazine of some description yes like all manga yes yeah yeah exactly and they were just like saying we need to volumize this that's not the right word but we need to like put this in volumes uh where should we stop volume two uh there <laughs> that's pretty much what i'm thinking of that looks like a good cliffhanger to be fair it's usually not even that it's usually you have so many pages for your volumes so you basically go that means we can fit this many chapters in, so this is where it ends, roughly. And there might be a little bit of planning involved to go, oh, well, if we're ending this chapter, this is how we want this chapter to go, kind of thing, or the chapters around it so we can end at this point in the story. And have there a generally is some planning on that regard. Like, if, Again, to use my favourite example, Bleach is very good at having its fights generally take the place over one volume. Yeah. But the, what I'm saying is it's basically, le I think it was less of a case of like, they went, oh, well, this is going to be volume two. We've got to very specifically have this point. In, in this particular instance, I think it was less. They were like, we're going to have this split over multiple volumes and have this cliffhanger here be the end of volume two. I think it was just, they knew what their story was. They ended up wanting to take a few more chaps than we think was necessary. So they basically got, this is about where the volume's going to end. We'll have this as the big cliffhanger sure it's just it's annoying and it's also it feels to me like a weirdly long arc to have weirdly early into the also, story I, I think for me you could have cut down a bit of volume one you could have condensed this arc a bit and you could have had volume two at the end of this arc because i think there's only like one or two more chapters of it probably i didn't read ahead so no idea well i i've not read ahead but i think i saw the chapter titles and i think there's two more parts it. There, there is yeah it's about that much anyway so another half a volume so it's like you could have in my mind cut a little bit of the earlier chapters out like maybe combined one or two of them and then cut down some of this arc so it you, you basically start it in volume one and then you could still have the same number of chapters for this arc and have it end with volume two or you could start your next arc or have a random one-off chapter or something i don't know but Phil, you got mad about the random one-off chapter. I no, it was more. I'm annoyed <laughs> that it was. 
it served no purpose. It didn't further anything. It didn't tell us any new information or anything. It was just, here's Claire killing some demons again. And it's like, great. This sort of goes to credit how this is a better than the average thing we read, because usually the average thing we read, when it has a random one-off chapter, we're like, oh god, an oasis. <laughs> this is so much better than the normal shit. Whereas this time you're like, that's oh, a random episode. I don't like it. <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I'm getting the feeling you guys dislike this. But uh, it's also, I can tell it's definitely, like it or not, it's definitely a, a better than some of the stuff we've read, for sure. I, sure, but syphilis is better than some of the stuff we've read, so, you know. <laughs> it's a low bar, I agree. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, it's not hard to be better than Redo of a Healer in the night. Be- better than Minamoto's story. <laughs> Okay, uh, I will clarify further then. I'll qualify <laughs> further. It is better than the not completely unforgivable shit, and it's better than the average stuff. Like, so it's like, not, not at the that. bottom of the list. No. Yeah, it, it's it's no. not it's not as bad as the other average things. It's not the best though. I will give it that as well. Like it's not up there with like solo leveling or any of the other ones that we loved. I you loved. A collective we, yeah, you loved. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> Still don't get that one, but sure, go on, go ahead. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't particularly mind this. It's just as I say, like for me, it was just very noticeable that you had those. Cause it was chapter one and chapter two. It was just back to back. Chapter one, obviously, you know, it's just your basic setting, establishing everything. These are the claymores, these are the demons. Claymores fight demons. Huzzah. And then chapter two is just here's this claymore, here's some demons. They fight. Huzzah. There was no real reason to have chapter two in particular. So the fact they were back to back was just particularly egregious to me. I mean, that's fair enough if you think that. I personally didn't mind it because I felt it was more about establishing the day-to-day as it were i'm not saying that it's not super necessary to do that but i also didn't mind it being there i think in for me in the context of that's literally chapter two it's fine to have a bit of a repeat because you're still establishing the norm at that yeah. point like you need to establish that the stuff that happened in chapter one wasn't some freak incident yeah like that was just another sure. day in the office i think they could have still done other stuff in there but Phil, there's no Raki in that chapter, so it has to be the no, best. There is no Raki in that chapter. But again, that's another thing for me. Like, <laughs> as, as I said, chapter three, because that's still also the same thing. Here's Claymore fights Demon Hazar, which, again, I appreciate that's the day-to-day, but the whole point of chapter three is like, here's Raki, he's back, and it's like, great, but he's only been gone for one chapter. Was there really a need to just have him there from the start, just have him leave with her in chapter one? No, I agree. Not even though you need to leave her chapter one, but have him in chapter two. Like, don't just have him randomly vanish for a singular chapter. Either have it be a long-term thing, or he's there in the background. So I, I just think like those first three chapters, it's just move some stuff around, cut some stuff out, and just have another chapter, which is just like discuss. Have have a chapter all about the flying ones. Establish that there's some weird ones. I don't know. Rather than more of the same, and then, hey, here's pointless sidekick character. <laughs> you really don't like Raki, do you? 
I have no problem with Raki as a person, as weird as that sounds. I'm sure. He's, he's probably a lovely guy. <laughs> Character-wise, he is not offensive. He's perfectly fine. Perfectly serviceable. He's just completely and utterly irrelevant. If, at the very least, when he finally caught up to Claire, he was like, please, teach me how to fight. I'd be like, cool, he's got some actual motivation to find her, to be travelling with her, rather than just trauma bonding, I guess. <laughs> trauma bonding, hot damn, that is a term. Oh. I mean, it's a term that comes up surprisingly often in it, I've Japanese I've never media. heard that. I've never heard trauma oh, bonding no, before. Oh, no, mate, it happens all the time. It's like, <laughs> I can't think of any specific examples, but... Classic Mike. Okay, no, okay. Happens I, all uh, the time. Just, can't name you any. No, but... I can actually think of one. Very recently in my life, and, you know, shameless plug, on my stream, I was playing <laughs> The World Ends With You recently, and Phil fucking loved it. I didn't. And uh, you get these two people who are thrown into the situation where it's like life or death, and then by the end of it, even though they fucking hated each other, they love each no, other. Uh, no, to be fair, hey. Oh, okay. Defend it, go on. Shiki didn't hate Neck at any point. Uh, she should have. She should have. There's an argument to be made there, but she didn't. He definitely hated he, her. He definitely hated her. And then by the end of it, they're in love. That's trauma bonding, because they, you know, they survived something together. It's, it's basically they went through a traumatic experience together, and they therefore go, my god, we must be, like, destined for each other. I mean, straight up, it's the end of every, like, 90s, early 2000s action movie where the hero and heroine get together. Like, everything's on fire around them, and they're just making out in the rubble. That, that's that right there. That's trauma bonding. It's because they survived the ordeal together, and therefore... They make this exact joke at the end of Speed, if you ever saw that, the one where the bus can't slow down. The, the, the bus that couldn't <laughs> slow down. Yes, I have seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, like, they literally make this, they call this out, because at the end, they do a thing where they have to jump a rail on a train, <laughs> it's fucking weird and then at the end um, they're on top of each other in the rubble standard move and Keanu's character says like oh I've heard that relationships based on common trauma don't make out and then whatever her name is I forget the actress's name uh, she says oh we'll just have to base it on sex then <laughs> it's like oh, fucking hell. that's a very dark thing to say it, when you think about it <laughs> and then they're together I guess I the sex must have been great <laughs> You'd hope so after that. Yeesh. <laughs> That's quite the ordeal to bond over. And then I may be mistaken, but I feel like they're broken up by the sequel, which is, yeah, case in point. <laughs> Isn't the whole point Keanu didn't want to do a sequel? So yes. it's like, yep, they're broken up. They broke up, and it's now just Sandra Bullock? Is that her name? Yes. I think which so. is, it's on a boat. <laughs> oh, man. I, there's nothing I love more in movies than awkward sequel breakups. Like, bloody Kickass has it as well, where it's like, Here's the second film. They're not a couple now for some reason. They just they yeah. Even Thor them. did it. <laughs> Thor did yeah, it. yeah. But that was because that actress. Oh yeah. There's always so a reason. More for often it. than not, in a lot of these, it's because the actor or actress did not want to be yeah in the sequel. I sure, but she is in the sequel to Kick Ass. That's why it's weird yeah. to me. <laughs> Usually, it's because an actor doesn't want to do a sequel, and the writers were not 100 percent aware of that. So they have to shoehorn in at the last minute. Oh, uh, we broke up. <laughs> and then they have to like change the story to have a new heroine. Oh, dear. 
But uh, like before we get horrendously off track or repeat the same point on Claymore for the fifth time, uh, does anyone else have anything they want to bring up about this series or shall we move to the closing comments? Uh, I think I'm done. I don't think I'd be able to say anything else without repeating myself because uh, the thing is pretty standard <laughs> overall. But I'm sure I'll get to that in a minute. Then let's let's get to the usual the usual endings of so we ask would we read more would we buy more because this is all legally available and uh, would we watch it via again as I said at the top uh, Funimation uh, I guess I'll go first in this case then yeah I don't I don't think this is a bad series to be clear like this is a perfectly fine and serviceable shonen it is all right it is the nailing the six out of ten my big problem is nothing there is no singular element in here that pulls me in and makes me compelled to read more there is nothing really interesting about the enemies or the world or a character dear god there's no character (laughs) or the art style is slightly off-putting for some reason that i'm never able to identify for me i think it's foreheads but we've all come up with different reasons there's nothing in here that makes me compelled to keep going. I'm not offended by reading it. It's perfectly fine. If someone for Christmas was, here's the Claymore box set, I was like, all right, guess I will read this at some point then. But it's not something I'm going out of my way to do more. And there, there are bits I do like. As I said, I'm happy that we actually see actual people getting cleaved in half and people getting killed and things, and it's not shying away from any of that. It will show you that. But, uh, and probably some of my other issues, oh, the pacing as well is kind of all over the place. Like, it's, the first couple of chapters, I don't really have a problem with it, but then it rapidly speeds up to get Raki back into the story and to do the whole black card thing, and then rapidly slows down for the religious city arc, and it's like, I, it just, let's nail some more consistency down before we start doing long and rapid arcs, as it were. I, yeah. I can believe from what Mike said and from what I've read, it does get better. It definitely feels like there's a lot of room in this to grow and to explore some interesting concepts, even if I've now learned that some of them don't get explored. But <laughs> I, it, to me, it's too slow and stumbling and awkward to start to really pull me in and make me want to see more. So I'm not, I'm not that engaged to read more. I'm probably not going to see myself buying more. Would I watch it? Eh, I... I don't remember the anime setting the world on fire, so to speak. And there may be fans of the show right now who are saying you're an idiot. It's brilliant. But I don't ever recall Claymore being part of the discourse, as it were, on cool anime at the time. So, um, And also, now looking at it in 2022, I've read a better Claymore. It's called The Witcher. Sorry, I've watched a better Claymore. It's called The Witcher. So um, I guess I'll just go watch season two of that, and that'll get me my fix. So... It's not. A, I'm not rejecting out of hand. If you like, if you like Claymore, brilliant. But for me personally, no, I'm I'm good. I if I really want more of a universe like this, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get around to reading the Witcher books, which I haven't done yet. So that's my answer. Uh, let's throw to Phil next. To me. To you. Chuckle, chuckle, vision. Would you read more, buy more, uh, would you watch the anime? Or have you for any of those? No for any of those. I would not buy it based on what we've read. 
I'm not that compelled. Sort of similar to you, and sort of as I've said in the episode, I think these two volumes, they really needed moving about, editing a bit. bit, bit of fine-tuning of the story. I mean, art-wise, in general, I don't have any particular massive problem with it. Say, so I think it's all right. I think, as I say, the only problem is occasionally you just look at some of the faces and they're just a bit off. And I, as I've said before, I can't pinpoint why specifically for me. It's just, it just is. I think in terms of reading more and watching, I think I would do one or the other and then decide if I want to do the other, I suppose. Like, it, it was all right. I, in general, I don't think there's any massive problem with what we read. There's enough there I could quite happily read more or watch the anime instead. Maybe that's a bit better in terms of the fight choreography and things. Maybe it'd be a bit more entertaining in some ways. I think for me, the biggest problem is if I wanted to read something like this, I personally, and I appreciate this wouldn't necessarily be for everyone, I personally would probably go read Berserk instead if I was wanting a dark fantasy series. So that's my thoughts on the matter. Wouldn't read Redo of Healer, that other dark fantasy series, then? I would not call Redo of a Healer a dark fantasy series. I'd call it shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would definitely call it a fantasy series. I would call it a... Someone's fantasy. <laughs> definitely someone's fantasy. I would call it an abomination. I, I, actually, I actually don't know what genre I would put it under, but I wouldn't put it under dark fantasy just like that there is in my mind there is a very real difference between say this claymore berserk and redo of a healer like Mm -hmm. they are all fantasy series for definite and claymore and berserk i definitely get dark fantasy redo of a healer it's a revenge fantasy i think it's about all i can put it as i but no no, definitely don't go read Redo of a Healer instead of it. If, if your choice is Redo of a Healer or Claymore, read Claymore. Yes, do it without question. If your choice is Redo of a Healer or anything, I would probably say take the anything. I mean, we'll, we'll find out the answer to that in the uh, Year 2 Trash-tacular tournament. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, I will now throw to Mike, who has read more, bought more. Well, I don't know if he's bought more, but he's definitely read more and watched more. So take it away, Mike. Your thoughts on Claymore. And do you feel now that you've gone back to it, is this something you're, you feel is better than you remembered, worse than you remembered? Should people check it out, do you reckon, now in 2022, many years after it's finished? Over to you, buddy. Okay, so my thoughts on this are somewhat complicated by I'm also not just reading it now, but I'm battling nostalgia and knowledge of later and things like that in the series. And this is a new feeling for me on this show, so bear with me. Welcome to my world. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So, based on what I read now, honestly, if I'd read this in a vacuum, I don't believe I would have been all that intrigued by it. Like, I like a lot of the elements they have at play here, but I can't help but think that I enjoy them coloured on nostalgia from, like, 10, 20 years ago. God, it would be 20 years ago now, wouldn't it? (laughs) 
All, all I'm saying, like, if you started reading this when you were ten, uh... <laughs> yeesh. <laughs> uh, nah, I think that'd have been fine myself. <laughs> so it is a complicated feeling, but actually reading this, I do think some of the things are just a little bit too off-putting for readers now in 2020 or 2022. Sorry, it is like the things like the the slightly aged art style and those fight choreography like the fight fights happens a lot but then like the choreography being so disjointed i don't mind the art style but i could see how that would be off putting to people the seeming lack of character traits how everybody gets one so to speak and i could absolutely see how this would not intrigue you that being said i have seen this before and i do remember a fair amount of it and i remember really really enjoying it so I'm in a position where I don't think I would read this again because I think reading it would not be the best way to absorb this media. I do think that the best way to absorb it would be to watch the anime, though. And so that's the thing I'm considering doing again, considering watching the anime and basically just watching it for as long as I feel like and see if I fill it and all and see if I enjoy it still. Because frankly, reading this wasn't difficult. Like it was very light on the text front. It wasn't like we hit walls of text or anything. I mean, I think I made the joke just before we start. Well, you made the joke like, "Oh, Phil's slowing for time because he's still reading." Because <laughs> I read stuff we cover like an hour before we actually record. Yeah, I was like, "Nah, Mike, I could have read that in five minutes. It'd be fine." <laughs> yeah, because like I, this doesn't take that long to get through in terms of reading it. If you're just trying to push, and that's fine and all, but I still don't think it's the best way to absorb this particular media. I do think it works much better as an anime, though. You read, I remember the anime does those fight systems and those fight scenes some justice. And I remember the nuances shown through a lot more. Like you learn that this is actually quite a scary world a lot more uh, that these people live in. They're just trying to make the best of it. I also don't remember Raki being annoying and pointless but that could just be my memory failing me because it's because you don't remember him because that's he's forgettable he yes so i think yeah my final point on this is i'm not gonna buy the manga again rebuy it. i bought it a while ago and just lost it as i did with most of my manga from back then but i probably will seek this out and rewatch the anime at some point like i think i'm i think that does seem like a fairly reasonable thing to me and I would expect that my recommendation as someone who did actually kind of enjoy this, I would recommend watching the anime because memory serves correctly. It follows the manga fairly closely, filler notwithstanding. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a decent watch. And that's how I would, that's how I'm probably going to experience this in the future. So yes, on one point, but no on the other two. That's fair. And I would also add as well, I've not seen the anime, but the fact it's by um, Madhouse, and Madhouse are actually, especially back then, one of the uh, better studios around. So uh, it probably is a good adaptation. Like, this is one of the reasons why I saw Claymore originally in the first place, because it had a lot of overlap with Helsing, and I was crazy into Helsing. <laughs> I will say, I think for me as well, it's like, based on how much fighting there is in these two volumes, I would assume the anime is the better way to consume it. I remember the animation being quite good as well, like good mastery of the of the medium. So again, this is me remembering stuff from like 15, 20 years ago. So 
could be wrong, but I don't think I am. So yeah, watching it, but not reading it. I think that's the way to go. Fair enough. So uh, now, now they know, but uh, you, you know what else they should watch and not read? <laughs> if, you, if you're about to throw to me to talk about my Twitch channel... Damn straight, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't read chat ever. It's, I do it all the time. It's a, it's a bad time every time. <laughs> but you can watch me on twitch.tv slash berserkro. B-E-R-S-E-K-R-E-R. And you can find me on Twitter at the same name. And much like the rest of the internet, I'm playing Elden Ring right now. So He got it. He actually got it. I yeah. actually got it on launch for once. Hooray! So, you know, if you just come here on a marathon, and you're like, but wait, he said he wasn't going to play it on launch. He's a dirty <laughs> liar. I'm a filthy, filthy liar, yes. And also, if you are listening to this 10 years in the future, I'm probably not still playing it. So No, no if you listen to it 10 years in the future, Mike's the number one any percent world record holder. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm not good at the game. <laughs> no, he, he Phil said it now, you have to be it. Oh, if it's on the internet, it has to be true, of course. I forgot that rule. But I mean, hey, if you are listening to this 10 years in the future, uh, firstly, damn, I paid for it for that long. <laughs> Secondly, you can check out the VODs on... Uh, the, the YouTube. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I, <laughs> in 10 years in the future, when everyone's still using YouTube and not... Oh, YouTube's Long. not dying. YouTube is invincible, buddy. Uh, no, it's owned, it's owned by Google, so they might just shut it down. Just for lols. <laughs> they, they do that. They do that, but I think YouTube won capitalism, so I don't think it's going anywhere. It is like the only place people go for like video content. But yeah, that's the uh, same name. Uh, YouTube.com slash Berserker. I think it'll get you there at the moment. If not, then I've got links to it on my Twitch channel. Go there first. Yeah, and it's not the only place people go for video content. The other place is Twitch, <laughs> which you're also on. So the other place is a no, not, not saying that on the air. Various videos. Yeah, the other the other place is beep hub. <laughs> so, ah uh, dear, uh, you can follow me on the interwebs at Slazer King S L A Z O K I N G. I think I actually was on like a mild tweeting role at one point where I tweeted like several times in one day, which is unheard of for me. So you know, actual content happening over there. You can follow the podcast as a whole at Trash Mangacast to be notified the moment a new episode goes live, or subscribe to us on all of the usual services. You know them by now. You know we're on Google, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So subscribe to them. And then like, comment, rate five stars, all oh that good stuff. Tell your friends, especially now as we approach the milestone episode. Tell them, tell them all about the good word that is trash manga friends. You may notice we didn't plug Phil's thing there because Phil will never say that he's at Fanaxkian on Twitter. So instead I ask him the question, which would be Phil, if you could wield one weapon, what would it be? I mean if if I could wield one weapon. Yes. I mean, realistically, it's going to be a gun, isn't it? <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Fuck it, hell. You are Indiana Jones in that one scene. I mean, I would just say, <laughs> you can offer me whatever weapon you want. There's only one I can use, and it's going to be a gun. Wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, my answer to this is a scythe, because I like like death and Shinigami and the Grim Reaper and all right, that. Right, so while so you're playing about trying to... I'm not picking it because I'm going to use it in real life. <laughs> I'm just going to point and shoot. Like, yeah, you'll win, but that's not the point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you want to take the fun out of it. It's a weapon. The whole point is to beat the other person. Now, technically speaking, the gun's not what kills people, it's the bullets. Get out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
So, <laughs> if you could wield one Guns weapon... Guns don't it would kill be... people, rappers do. Ugh. If you could wield one weapon, it would have to be bullets and throw them really hard. <laughs> I mean, if, we, if we're going down that route, like, I'm, I'm going with a board and nail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it worked well in The Simpsons. It so, sure you know. did. <laughs> uh, Alright, if, if, if you're wanting... No, no, we've got your answer now. A gun. Got right. it. Thank you. There's your insight into Phil's personality for the episode. No, being practical. Uh, efficiency, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, which does now neatly transition us into, so what happens next time? Because our next episode, it is finally here, number 50. And if Bleach had been airing this spring, it would have been that. But it's not. So instead, we asked ourselves, what has defined Trash Manga Friends over these past two years? What ser- And what series would be grand enough to cover for the Big 5-0 for our anniversary? Oh man, One Piece. Not quite, no. But realistically, when you looked at you the One Piece... <laughs> Please. <laughs> All of One Piece. Can, can we change it? Is it too late? <laughs> it's uh, lo- locked in, buddy. Because realistically, there was only one choice it could ever be. Because when you think about it, one genre, one setting, one archetype has defined this podcast and all of the series Phil has picked throughout. So join us next time for a half century spectacular on, yes, you've probably guessed it, Sword Art Online. It's happening. So look forward to that in episode 50. Thank you very much for listening over the past two years. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.